on uh, it's on the Twitch channel for the stud. Uh, is where okay. you can find it. Yeah, so okay. that's really cool. It's another partnership. They also partner with the stud. Excellent. Yeah, and so my piece is actually about this subject. It's about connecting with the stories of queer South Asian immigrant ancestors because mm. I was really hoping to tap into some of their wisdom to ground me. Yeah. Um, now, what was mind-blowing, I was not expecting this, uh, was the very amazing curator of those archives, Mason J. Uh, yes. Oh, you know Mason! Yay! Yes. Mason's been on the show before. Of yeah. course they have! I love that! Um, so, so Mason did this really great, um, you know, check-in with me and with all, all four of us, and and at the end of kind of saying, so here are the materials I'm going to pull for you, Mason also did a card reading to solicit mm. the wisdom of the ancestors. Ooh. And Mason said that what the ancestors were telling them uh, to tell me was it would be very easy for my project to get wrapped up in and consumed by shame, by their shame or even by mm -hmm. my shame. And that what the ancestors wanted me to focus on was stories of joy, stories of resistance, stories of their power. Mm. And I thought, oh, sure, of course. That's how I do my anti-racism work. That's going to be easy. Um, silly ancestors, don't they know I already <laughs> do that? Um, and then I realized that to tap into the story of queer South Asian ancestors on the, in this area, the primary resource I had, thanks to a couple of friends who do this work, is because of their prison records. Mm. The only reason we know they existed and we know that they were engaged in same-gender love or same-gender sex was because they were sent to San Quentin for quote-unquote crimes against nature. Mm. And so it turns out the ancestors were not as stupid as I thought they were because they were like, yeah, you're going to confront the fact that the whole way that South Asian male in particular identity was constructed in this country was deviancy and not real manhood and corrupting of real American men, right? That was how mm. the court discussions always went was how these deviant men, who weren't really men, um, were trying to destroy American, which meant white, young men, and trying to pull them into this depraved lifestyle. And so there was something about, you know, we talk a lot about how Asian women are exotified and how that's weaponized against Asian women. Um, mm -hmm. In that time when in this country, for the most part, people were still thinking in a gender binary. Uh, manhood was brought into question because of orientation. And that intersected with very much with, um, with race and um, historic location. And you see the photos of these dudes. They're big, buff, hardworking, like farmhands and construction workers um, who 
are being classified in a very different way than what their presenting um, appearance would indicate. Mm -hmm. And so there was something about, I mean, it brings to light how ridiculous the constructs of race and gender are um, and the binaries uh, around gender as well. And so to sit with those images, to read those court documents and to think, where's the joy in that story Mm. gives me a chance. And this is not something I have spent a lot of time doing in a public way, gives me a chance to sit with if they took that level of risk. Yes. What was the joy of that physical connection? What was the joy of Mm. that sexual connection? Um, And to really honor how powerful that is, I think is pretty amazing and has something to teach us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, I only got like 10 minutes to uh, do a piece, so I don't get into tons of detail, but, you know, there just getting to delve into that subject was really mind-blowing to me. I don't know if that brings up stuff for you, because you've done a lot of uh, research into some of this kind of stuff as well. Maybe slightly different, but, you know, aligned. A, l- a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, like, as far, more as far as, like, the history of queerness goes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I've been cutting out a little bit. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly even, I guess the best way I can relate to it right now is just in terms of, like, I'm 40 and seeing what's changed in the last, you know, few decades. Or I mean, I came out in high school, so I'm thinking about, like, what's com- what's changed since then in terms of homophobia and transphobia and, yeah. like, my own internalization of those, unfortunately, which is, like, ubiquitous, especially despite growing up in or around uh, cities and being raised by fairly leftist, open-minded people, still, like, these messages of anti-queerness are so, especially in the 80s, they're, like, so, like, they're everywhere, the media, like, through politicians, and then it's so difficult not to internalize some of those messages, even if there is um, so much that's trying to counter that. And, of course, it all just ties into colonialism and white supremacy, and it's, so thinking about what's changed, you know, since, younger, which is, you know, like what, what folks now who are growing up have, at least as like visibility, for instance, with media, which I, I know definitely is a whole conversation on to its own. And also it's like, wow, there are like trans characters played by trans people on yep. this show. That is fucking awesome. Yep. You know, us trans men, we got like Hillary Swank. So yep. like, this is like, <laughs> there are, you know, steps in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Obviously visibility is not everything, but it's like, oh, wow. And then I think about with the with the I just saw this great documentary called uh, Voynarovich about David Voynarovich, who was a, a queer artist in the '80s, and like a lot of what he was talking about then was is still going on certainly politically, but with all the homophobia around the HIV and AIDS crisis yeah. and what folks then were going through, and then you know just thinking about like when you know folks could be arrested for like separate not like being arrested for cross cross-dressing and i'm using quotation marks listeners yes um and just how like and police raiding gay bars which i know they still do but like still how criminalized uh queerness has been and so so i'm 
going there's like there's like so much to get into here but just yeah. how the the history of people's bodies have been policed and it's still happening it just maybe looks differently absolutely yeah yeah i guess i was pretty uh uh, revved up it's a lot it. it's a lot yeah. and there's something about i mean you're talking about internalization like the fact that mason said the ancestors were like pay attention to your own shame don't get sucked into it like that's mm -hmm. a thing right um and so to think about what so many people before us have sacrificed so that we could push harder for more is pretty amazing. And so I tend, I'm, I'm finding, oh, sorry. Sorry, if you just repeat that, it just, uh, it, yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I really appreciated that Mason let me know the ancestors had told me to be aware of my own shame in this process yes. because that internalization's a real thing. And so I found my I have found myself recently paying a lot of attention to how much gratitude I can extend to the people who went before who took such huge risks and were yes. were so bold and brave whose stories I'm only beginning to learn um yes. because they made it possible for us to fight even louder for more and I right. think that's pretty amazing Yes. Yeah. Definitely. That we're part of the reason that we're here is that because of other folks were able to be out and yep. took risks and were often punished for it. Yep. Absolutely. And oftentimes it and I think about that as a as a trans person quite often, just how things were not easy. However, they're so much easier in terms of accessing medical care and finding community. Yes, yes, yes. And there are people who made that possible, right? Absolutely. Love that. And I think that, yeah, I think the idea for all of us is that we wanna make it so the next generations have it easier. And yes. There's always so much work to be done. <laughs> there's so much work to be done. And I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing about that, but I mean, 33 states. I, I'm sure you've done shows just on this subject, and I'm not the expert on this, but like um, 33 states uh, trying to move through anti-trans legislation right mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah. It's yeah. sickening. It's, uh, it's disgusting and it's cruel. I mean, I run out of adjectives each time. Yep. as well as it's lazy. I mean, they've gone to the effort of saying, who is it that we can get the most collective contempt for? Right, uh, right. And let's just do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, on top of it being just, yeah, there are no adjectives, but like anti-human and just absolutely deplor deplorable, it is also just profoundly lazy. Because mm. um, they can't say, here's what we're for. Right. Right. They don't care about the health care, the health of even cis women because nope. they let all these predators out. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, when you say we have so much work to do, it's very, very true. And that's where some of my strength is increasingly coming from is who are the people before who did this, right? Like, 
including people mm-hmm. that I had heard of and didn't know the story, right? Like, I celebrated Polly Murray as a radical queer feminist, and I'm only learning, oh, there's more to that yeah. story, right? Polly Murray yes. was a trans person without access to um, all of the things that would have made that more possible to live fully into, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Polly Murray was, I mean, we, in some ways, we have Polly Murray to thank for Brown versus Board of Education and all of these mm-hmm. major civil rights victories because they were one of the most brilliant legal minds of their time. Um, how amazing is it to now learn that was somebody who was paving a way? Um, for me, in my research, one of... Oh, sorry, did you lose me again? Or can you hear yeah, me okay? Uh, now I can. You were saying <laughs> to lose one of... Oh, technology. To lose one of the... Oh, now I'm losing you. Do you yeah. think it? Do you think it would work better if we turned our cameras off? I know that that's not necessarily oh, sure. a guarantee. Is it worth yeah, a try? Yeah, try. Yeah. I hate doing it, okay. but. Yeah, let's see. Okay. They say that that sometimes improves bandwidth. I have no oh, idea. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It's worth a shot. Um, Definitely. I'm sad not to get to see your face, but. Um, so, okay, uh, yeah, what a what an amazing gift it is to learn that Polly Murray was out there fighting uh, for trans rights, somebody who was one of the best legal minds of their time. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in small ways, I mean, in big ways fighting for women, in big ways fighting for black folks, in small ways trying to help us understand different ways of understanding gender, which is part mm. of part of the work, right? Um, yes. For me, because I, I am I am a cis woman, um, tending more towards they than she these days, but still a cis woman, um, with who has never sat well within traditional constructs of womanhood um, or what it means to be a woman. As I was doing my research for this and this did get mentioned very briefly in um, in the showcase piece next week. But um, as I was digging through uh, queer South Asian ancestors, I came across a queer East Asian American ancestor, uh, Margaret Jessie Chung, who was the first American-born uh, doctor of Asian descent in this country. And she. Can you repeat the last name, please? Yeah, Margaret. Sorry, Margaret Jessie Chung, who was born in San Francisco in, or maybe, yeah, in Santa Barbara, uh, but moved to San Francisco in like 1889 and became the first female, well, became the first American doctor of Asian descent, Chinese descent Mm. in this country, was a woman was the most dapper dresser you could possibly imagine, was constantly having affairs with any woman she could get her hands on, was, uh, dr- yeah, totally, drove 
drove a sports car at like absolute maximum speeds through the streets of San Francisco in the uh. 1920s. I mean, she's like, I'm like, I wish I had that level of swagger. And she's doing that in the 1920s and the 1930s. She was rumored to have had uh, an affair with, I'm trying to remember, um, a famous movie actress while they were both raising funds for the boys during World War II. Awesome. Uh, She's a legend, and this is like in the 1920s. She dressed better than I dress now. And her way of reshaping what gender meant uh, mm -hmm. all that time ago is part of why I'm allowed to say, hey, not femme, not butch. Um, I'm, I'm functioning in this different space. Yeah. Um, and how great is it to know that there are people who did that work maybe not on our behalf, but functionally on our behalf. Uh, mm. That brings me a great deal of comfort when I'm like, I feel like everyone keeps trying to put me in a box. I'm like, I bet they tried to put Margaret Chung in a box too, and she wouldn't let them. Yeah. So it gives me a little more strength for my days. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's so many folks out there that we just don't know. There, and it's also just about the selective retelling of history exactly. and who gets celebrated and who doesn't, who gets a movie or 10 movies made about them, yep. who gets taught in schools. And there's so many pretty much other folks who have, it's just, uh, I don't have the words for it, but yeah. I would love to learn more about. Yes. Yes, exactly. I hear rumors that there's an excellent documentary about Polly Murray through a trans-affirming lens. Oh. Um, yeah, apparently somebody I met on Tinder was telling me all about it. Uh, oh. <laughs> that it, it came out at the, I think it was, a, yeah, I know, right? Um, so it, it, apparently it came out uh, 2019 or 2020. It was featured in the San Francisco Film Festival. So oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to dig that up. Yeah, there's so many ancestors that uh can give us strength for the really hard work we have ahead of us because it is it's hard work it's still hard work yeah i mean there's yeah there's so much to push back against mm -hmm. that's what i'm just finding is just it's like it's this on there's like an ongoing like onslaught of state violence yeah and it how to have time to even heal from past trauma and right. also just rem remember to like enjoy the earth and yeah. be joyful and appreciative and how yes. to do everything at, at simultaneously sometimes and to take a break because <laughs> it's hard not to. I definitely get into that rut where I'm yes. doing the Twitter updates because I don't really trust most, um, I don't trust any corporate media, but I don't yeah. trust any mainstream media certainly. And like, mm -hmm. you know, reading about like what's happening in Minneapolis right now or Brooklyn Center and yeah it's hard to, you know, where does one get to the point where it's like, oh, just by me reading about this, I'm not necessarily sure I might be sharing it with people, but I'm also not. So where's the, where's the point to kind of not necessarily disengage, but to, um, I guess, recognize one can't take on yes. everything at the same time. It's interesting because this is the thing that I keep pushing. So I do a lot of anti-oppression work and, anti and particularly anti-racism work. That's really, um, really where I focus a lot of my energy. And mm -hmm. I just, I just taught this online course. Well, I have an online course that is available for people to take uh, oh. at their leisure. Um, but I did 
uh, back when it launched, simultaneously facilitate a series of conversations to go along with it. And um, one of the things I push folks to do is say, it's okay to choose the thing you're going to focus on. And I think that that is terrifying to some folks because they're like, but then I can't do all the things. And I'm like, if you try to do all the things, you're not going to do them well. Yes. And if you choose the one thing and do it well, chances are it will end up connecting with the other issues, right? Like, there's yes, a. Because everything's connected. Exactly. There's an LGBTQ church that I've done a little bit of work with in Fort Worth. They are an. Because. I mean, God bless anybody who's doing LGBTQ affirming church work in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. That is amazing work. Um, and they invited me out a few years ago to do a little intersectionality workshop with them, uh, partly because the pastor was feeling very concerned about the fact that they weren't doing enough around Black Lives Matter. Um, and she wanted the church to recognize that they needed to broaden their focus. And in the mm -hmm. course of the conversations I had with them, at some point I said to the pastor, hey, if you stay with your focus on advocating with and on behalf of LGBTQ folks um, for basic civil rights in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you're going to end up dealing with homeless trans youth. You're going to end up dealing with the intersection of black and gay and trans issues uh, around police brutality because um, trans black folks are dealing with police brutality on a higher level than um, than other folks. If you're doing that work well, you're going to deal with immigration issues because there are so many queer and trans immigrants um, being abused by the immigration system just a few miles south of you. Um, yes. You don't actually have to say, we're going to do this and this. If you do the one thing well, it's going to force you um, to deal with the other issues. So I don't know that we have to apologize for saying, here's the thing I work on, and that's part of how we build out our solidarity. I think when we try to do all the things, it can be really depleting, really demoralizing, and incredibly lonely. So I think that there's a value to us connecting with other folks doing the thing we work on um, yes. that gives us energy as well. So that's kind of a thing I've been talking a lot about. And it's, like I said, terrifying to folks to hear me yeah. say that. Because yeah. it feels like then I can't do all the things. And I'm like, how, are, how well are you doing all the things right now? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, thank you for that. Maybe it's permission giving. I think I like to think it's empowering. I like to think that we bring more power when it's concentrated, and there's a value to that. Definitely. Whew. So now I'm thinking about you know which areas are. I'm definitely someone who likes to. Um, I don't necessarily likes to, but I feel like going from either place to place or subject to subject in terms of yeah, just being aware of what's happening. Oh yeah. I think that's valuable, though. I mean, it is to know the know all the stuff, sure, mm -hmm. and to be okay with the fact that I can't be the lead person on every single thing is also oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I personally do not want to be the lead person on anything. Well, yeah, that's um, fair. <laughs> just, you know, just like wanting to show up as I can. 
yeah it's oof. I, I think for for some folks it's just uh it's a just recognizing and witnessing what's going on it, it's yeah. there's there's so much so you know the other do i have time to do one other tangent because i know this has been like tangent after tangent already Sorry, can you repeat that, please? Is it okay if I do one more tangent? Oh, you can do many more tangents. <laughs> Don't limit it to just one. I feel like time. I've done a lot of tangents already, so that's great. Um, so, I, you know, it's interesting because I think um, wanting to be seen doing the right work sometimes mm. influences us. And I mention yes. that because... Like I said, I do a lot of racial justice work, but as far as my work in the streets, um, the work I do kind of in movement spaces and public spaces is much more around worker justice. Mm -hmm. um, and I mention that because I've gotten arrested with fast food workers on more than one occasion, largely because they've said, we need a clergy person to risk arrest with us because if we get taken to jail, um, we want someone in that space with us well, because it reduces again. the le oh sorry um it, <laughs> i'm sorry uh, roman it's so hard i apologize can oh, you not no, hear no, me no. please don't please don't apologize it's the technology <laughs> um you were saying that you have been arrested with fast food workers because they said they need a clergy person yeah so yeah so fast food workers have said if a clergy person goes to jail with us the likelihood of abuse goes down mm. considerably and because oh. they know we have a public outlet. So I, I have done that on more than one occasion. When mm -hmm. the movement for Black Lives really uh, took off, a number of my friends were in the very center of planning some of the actions that were really disruptive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I got invited to a rally one time, and it was only once I was there that I was like, oh, the rally's a decoy for the fact that they're going in to shut down the um, the courthouse uh, or to disrupt uh -huh. activity in the courthouse. And so all of my friends are sitting in a circle in the middle of the courthouse while I'm out at this rally, and I had total feelings about it. I was like, don't they know I'm down for the cause? Don't they know that I would mm. risk arrest too? And then I was like, oh, actually – it's okay that my primary place where I do the biggest, boldest work is with workers, and they know that. And so they've yes. said, hey, for this one, just be a crowd builder. We've got it. Um, and so there was a little bit of me that was like, oh, I was worried that they didn't see me as essential to the work. They didn't see me mm. as willing to show up for them in that way. And so... I, I had a moment of kind of confronting the fact that um, my mother's favorite kind of Bengali saying uh, that she and I quote to each other a lot is, it is not enough to do the thing. It is being seen to do the thing that matters. Um, and I mm. think I have internalized some of that, right? And, yeah. and when they say that, it's like, it's not enough to wash your hands. The family has to see you wash your hands Got for it, it to count. Otherwise, they'll make you wash your hands again in front of them. Uh, and so, and hmm. so I realized I had internalized some of that. Um, and so my desire to be seen, to be in solidarity with the Movement for Black Lives, was getting in the way of the way I could actually be useful. Um, yes. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately is, 
how much of me wanting to be a part of all these things is me wanting to make sure people know I'm the kind of person who shows up for those things. Yes. So yeah. I'm just going to keep showing up for the people who want me to show up. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, I will, and I will uh, take my position in the back of the crowd in the other places. Yeah. That's important too. That's- it's quite relatable. It makes me think a lot about ego in terms of activism, yeah. which I know is, has been often a topic of conversation, and I think especially for us white folks, where there's yeah. that like white savior piece that comes in, and also just other, I think also with folks online too, where it's that the cause, and people who end up making it more about themselves than about what they're fighting for. Yep. and how to kind of detach from that. And I think also part of that's just due to what we've been taught, where we haven't been taught about solidarity and communities working together. We've been, talk about, we've been taught about this one leader here and there. Um, I remember growing up learning yeah. about Rosa Parks and not learning about the that the bus boycott had been ongoing and people have been doing this for a long time. Yes. So I think it very much leads people myself included, to be this, this idea that, oh, it has to be just this one person, and instead of really working with one another to do it together. Yes. I think one of the reasons that William Barber is one of my heroes is because mm. anytime somebody calls him the next Dr. King, he gets yes. really mad. <laughs> yes. It's not just that he's being humble and he's like, no, no. He's like, no, that is not how movements work. Movements right. are destined to fail if you make one person the center of them. Um, yes. And so I'm really grateful for that uh, wisdom and that modeling. Um, mm-hmm. And even so, we have a tendency to do it. So here I am being like, and that's why Dr. Barber is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, there's so much good. Hello. Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. Okay. A sound effect in the background. (laughs) Uh, Fun with technology. Yeah, there there's so much there's so much here to to discuss certainly, and I think also just with organizing via social media now, and then what's safe and what's not safe with surveillance. Yeah. And in some ways, I think perhaps I'm taking this conversation in a different direction, but when I've heard or read about organizing like in the 60s and 70s with, oh, people were just making photocopies and there wasn't so much surveillance and people didn't have cell phones. And so in some ways it was easier to get away with, not just say get away, but like easier to organize. I mean, there was surveillance then, but like not to the extent that are, there is now where, uh, you know, our phones could be listening to us uh-huh. and there's cameras out on every street corner. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. And... Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I've been watching some of the conflicts that are playing themselves out within the modern day civil rights movement, uh, where Mm -hmm. people are dragging each other and people are defending each other. And somebody recently, somebody who had lived through the seventies through the black power movement was like, y'all, this is just an old school pro strategy. Yeah. To get everyone fighting each other. other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch people say, I am 100% sure that this has been, this conflict has been generated um, mm. to, to diminish the power of the movement. Yes. Um, so 
I do think that it was possible to dip your toe in and back out um, in the 60s and 70s and be a little bit less visible. Um, mm -hmm. I think it is still very possible today to do that um, because I think we still get to choose the level of engagement and uh, that we, yeah, we get to choose the level of engagement and the level of risk in most of the actions we participate in. Mm -hmm. So, and it's interesting because I, I was trained in faith-rooted organizing by Alexia Salvatierra, and she always makes us talk about democracy. And she's like, you can say what you want about all of the ways that democracy doesn't work in this country. She's mm -hmm. like, y'all, I used to organize in the Philippines. Mm. You don't know what not democracy looks like. Mm. Um, and so there's a certain element of, if you are risk averse, there are still places in the street for you. Um, because there are actions that um, that run a low risk of being surveilled in those ways. So I kind of yes. feel like there's still plenty of spaces for risk intolerant folks to participate if they want to. Um, yes. yes. And I also think that there are horrific things happening to people that don't need to because of the police state, right? Like Seattle's of a course. great example of that. Um, or what's happening in Minneapolis right now is a great yes. example of that. So and what two was things happening in Portland last summer. Yep. Oh, I said Seattle and I meant Portland. I'm. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff oh, happened in Seattle, Seattle too. too. Yep. But and Portland was ongoing for yeah. like a month, at least more than a month. Um, so yeah, and what's happening in Minneapolis now also. You know, it's interesting because I'm really grateful to some of our movement elders for making sure that we pay attention to global solidarity, even mm. when we're doing very local work. Mm -hmm. And I've got a student in one of the classes I teach who's from Burma, and mm. it's caused me to pay a lot more attention to the news going on in Burma right now. Some, yes. that, some people would call it Myanmar. The people I know who are activists call it Burma because mm -hmm. um, the history of it, as long as it's been called Myanmar, has been wrapped up in um, police state violence. Um, although both names are okay, I think, depending on who you're talking with. Um, but what's going on there, day after day, fa whole families are showing up in the streets. I mean, mm. the, they, I think I have seen that over half of the country is engaging in rebel, uh, in protest actions against the, uh, the military uh, coup. Mm -hmm. That's mind blowing to me. And the yeah. things that are happening are horrific. They are yeah. targeting children. They are blowing up families. Mm -hmm. The things that the military is doing are very, very reckless. And they, those actions are meant to convey, we will be indiscriminate in our mm -hmm. punishment of your resistance. Mm -hmm. And even so, millions of people are engaged in public acts of resistance. Um, and I think it's really important for us to be paying attention to what it means to fight for democracy. And particularly in yes. light of the fact that um, for those of us who have paid any attention, Ansung Su Kyi was a huge heroine of a lot of ours when she was imprisoned. And then once she became prime minister president, I can't remember which, um, 
she started collaborating with the military and doing harm to uh, minoritized groups in that and country. Who is this? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ansang Sung Ki, uh, the who was a resistance uh, a resistance movement leader in Burma. Uh, and mm. she wasn't allowed to go and get the Nobel Prize because she was imprisoned. Um, mm. And then she became the leader of the country, and everybody was so excited. Um, mm -hmm. And then she ended up letting the horrific violence against Muslims that has happened in Burma mm. over the past uh, five years. She, she permitted it to happen, and I think we were all mm. shocked. And so she is a very imperfect leader. and. During this political, uh, during this coup, she was imprisoned again, and people are marching to demand her freedom. Mm. And to me, that's actually a really important for us thing for us to sit with as movement folks, because right now within U.S.-based radical leftist movements, there's a lot of I call it um, purity politics. Mm. There's a lot of yeah. only wanting the perfect leader. And none of us is. Yes. And so to watch Burmese people risking their lives and their families' lives to demand the dignity of a woman that they know has has participated in some horrific stuff is important. Mm -hmm. um, it's important for us to pay attention to. So I'm learning a lot as I'm paying attention to some of our movement siblings around the country. I know last year everybody was talking about um, how we needed to learn to be water um, in the same mm -hmm. way that our uh, movement colleagues in Hong Kong were doing. I think we yeah. have some things to learn from our, our uh, Burmese family as we do movement work now. Indeed. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's not something that's on a lot of Americans' radars. I think it's my proximity to, I mean, West Bengal, the region of India that my father's from, is not mm -hmm. that far from Burma. And so okay. it's just a little more on my radar than a lot of folks in this country, probably. Yeah, and I mean, all the more reason to continue talking with one another because it's yeah. also just important to get accurate information. Like, I've really didn't have a full sense of what was happening. Right. And it's just, of course, it's so just to get like firsthand uh, experience. Um, yeah. from that is just yeah. the is the best option. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, we need to share these stories with each other. Mm -hmm. oh. I'm thinking also just about how you know, growing up in this country is just how the history was so very much focused. History, if you would call it that, I guess I should say rewritten history, focused on the United States and very little beyond that was maybe Europe. So just how whitewashed history became from a, from yeah. a very young age as children, like what we learn about. And then even with the news media and like what they talk about and the points of view that they have. So I think all just because they want to maintain power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have some opportunities to tell a different story. Um, this will be, I recognize that this might be controversial with your audience, and I want to be really clear that what I'm about to say is not 
a reflection on your beliefs or the beliefs of the show. Um, I also think we get taught a history of war in order to cause us to not learn how nonviolent resistance has actually achieved a great deal mm -hmm. um, on behalf of so many people. Um, and so I, I know that's controversial. I get a lot of flack for it in a lot of the movement spaces I get, because I think a lot of my colleagues think that my commitment to nonviolence is really naive. Um, and I would make the argument that it's amoral, not the moral, but it's a moral stance, but it's also, um, it's also a stance born of data that actually more long-lasting political change at national levels has been achieved through nonviolent resistance over the past hundred years than through violent resistance. Um, that's true in Europe, it's true in South America, it's true in Central America, it's true in North America, it's true uh, across uh, Africa. The one place it's not completely true of is Asia, but the interesting thing about Asian data is that neither violent nor nonviolent resistance yields a significant amount of sustainable uh, nationwide political change. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why that is, because that's not my area of expertise. But, mm -hmm. um, but I mention that because I think we also get a, and we also get a militarized history that teaches us um, that military resistance is the way things are changed, which mm -hmm. also makes us feel smaller and less effective because yeah. they will always have bigger, better guns than we do. They yeah. will always be able to wipe us out if they want right. to. Right. Um, and so I think that part of the way we get taught history is also a militarized history mm -hmm. that causes us to be unaware of how powerful our nonviolent resistance movements can be and have been. Mm -hmm. Like I said, not a popular opinion in my circles these days because they're like, you oh. just want to take away our guns so we can't fight them. And I'm like, eh, I just don't think you're ever going to win with the guns. Mm. Uh, so, again, not a popular opinion. Um, so I wanted to put in that disclaimer because it makes me a bad anarchist to feel that oh. way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's always new ways to be. I find a bad anarchist. Every day I find a new one. <laughs> It's, you know, but again, it's like not like a purity. I mean, that should be the right. opposite of it, right? Right. Like there are so many different ways and like different yes. experiences. And also every single person experiences the world in a different way. And we all have different, like it's just different circumstances and like how we're treated by state. Like it's, oh, yeah. it, make, it only makes sense that we would have varying uh, ideas and not even ideas. Cause I mean, this is like actual information that you're sharing, but like yeah. perspectives on what works and what's best for you yeah. and it's i feel like it's just it's going to be as always just a diversity of tactics that will Absolutely. that will win and Absolutely. yeah i totally i totally uh agree with that and also just with the militarization that's something i harp on a lot it's just not just the fucking military budget which this stupid ass administration is like yeah. also plenty of you know can't raise the minimum wage can't yet like abolish student debt 
Um, Canada, nope. everyone has housing or food or health care, right. but, you know, the Pentagon's getting more money. Meanwhile, the U.S. military is the biggest polluter in the world and also causes atrocities yeah. around the world. Yep. Oh, my point. What was my point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going off. Oh, the, um... Just Not like just the budget, but militarism the, in general. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, like, the, the how police have become so militarized over the years, and also with, like, Hollywood and movies. And I love movies. I, I Yeah. I love movies. I'm an actor. And like, yeah, it's so disturbing that like so many of the, you know, films have started uh, coming back into production again. And it's still this very much like it's another cop show. It's another war movie. And it's like it's how the military industrial complex is also just pushed right into our bedrooms or wherever we have a TV or a phone in terms of quote unquote entertainment. And even as actors, it's like, oh, great. I And I personally refuse to audition as a role of a cop. I don't think I'd be a believable cop anyway. But <laughs> it, it's just like, wow, why aren't they? Where's the big hippie movie or something? Right? Yeah. It's like there's so many war mo- cops and, and soldiers. And uh, it's just it feel it's just every aspect of our lives, I feel, is just uh, indoctrinated by this war propaganda. Absolutely. Which reminds me, I think, I know I've already told you this story, but um, I was in Chicago for doing a training when uh, Sorry to Bother You came out. And so I reached out to one of my besties who's an anti-racism trainer with me. And I was like, Yvonne, do you want to go see this movie? Because I really want to see it the weekend it opens. So we found a place that was showing on the south side of Chicago and we went to it. And after the movie, she was like, I didn't know you talk through movies. I was like, not all movies, just this movie. Because like, as soon as you came on screen, I was like, I know that person. That's uh, my friend. Roman's in this movie. Did you know? I know Roman. And, uh, and Yvonne's like, I'm trying to watch the movie. I was like, I know, but I want to make sure you see them. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I feel so um, grateful to have been in a film that was directed by an out communist. Like, yes. It's like, I mean, it's, I'm grateful to get work anyway, but then to be um, in a movie that was so creative and so questioned the status quo yes. and have ardent leftist messaging, I feel like it was yes. so rare and such a beautiful opportunity. And also that it was filmed in Oakland. I feel oh just my gosh, so totally grateful to, to have had that opportunity. What was particularly joy bringing to me was when he gets into his dream apartment. It is mm-hmm. the apartment I had always fantasized about living in. It's the it's the same building, like it's kind of yes. I, I call it Oakland's Flatiron Building. Um, yes. And I was like, oh, look at him. He's living the life I always dreamed of. You know, <laughs> it was really fun. I got and then he's you know he's going out for drinks at the bar that I used to hang out at, and it's all just glorious. Yeah. Yes. Yes. As well as it being such a prophetic film, it was just so on point. It was great. Indeed. And as Indeed. and had a great soundtrack. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was super excited that you were a part of it. I was like, it all makes sense. That's the perfect casting. I, oh yeah, I loved it. It was like, yeah, and that protest scene. Just, yes. Oh, that was great. It's and so oftentimes on films that they you can't wear any buttons or any shirts with logos right. or anything. And I, right. you don't see it in the film, but I had like a messenger bag that had like a trans liberation now button. Oh and it was totally gosh. fine for me just to have, but even though it wasn't on screen at all, it was still just felt more, I guess, humanizing just to yeah. be um, able to be more myself, I guess, yes. rather than dipped down of any individuality. Yes. 
absolutely. Were you in? Do I remember that you were in the scene where Kamau was there as well, or am I making that up? I was don't believe I was there okay. for that scene. I was in one of the, some... the office scenes and then the protest scene. Yes, 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 yes. Outside. Yeah, I couldn't remember if you were in uh in the mix during that scene or not, but yeah. Uh, anyhow, it had a lot of cameos that wouldn't have maybe been exciting for anyone except people from the Bay Area, but they were pretty great cameos. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully there'll be there'll be more soon. Absolutely. From Boots Riley. I yeah. hope so. It ended on a cliffhanger. I'm waiting for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Army Hammer. Speaking of uh, some kind of on point casting there. Oh the, yeah. Uh... <sighs> <laughs> anyway, I just <laughs> thought of that recently. I was like, oh yeah. There he is playing a villain. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. <sighs> Just out of curiosity, are there other films that you've been really proud to be connected with? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's me being um, I don't know, maybe snarky. Um, I mean I've I've been always grateful to get work that's so you know, it's competitive and there's not as many productions up here as there are Sure. Uh, like in LA or New York, certainly. Yeah. And then, especially its background, it's very. And then, even for me, like as a you know someone who's on the mask masculine end of the spectrum and and white, like I have more options, I think, for roles than other folks do. Mm-hmm. So even with that, it's um it's still just very limited in terms of getting cast in anything. So. Yeah. Um, um, but like as far as like. Nothing to the level of Sorry to Bother You that I feel like I was so proud of to be yeah. affiliated with or something I was so excited about. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm thinking right now, and it's nothing that, like, there's that show called Chance on Hulu with Hugh Laurie. Oh, neat! Um, Did you get to meet Hugh Laurie? Here. Um, I was in a scene where I was like behind him at a book stand and actually there's a photo of it a still that ended up being an entertainment weekly so it looked like I oh had a friend found so it looked like I was like doing like a lot in the show but I was really just in the background trying to organize leftist books to be shown on camera and, <laughs> yes. and you know we're always instructed especially as as background not to like talk to the stars or not right because uh, you might be fired and so there's that right. part of me that's also like eh. and that was also a number of years ago so I was like Tempted to talk to him, but I didn't say anything. So I was just kind of looking through books, and he was looking through books, and that was that. <laughs> um, and there was other show which I think didn't. They were filming a pilot for it, which was about this cop who, un- a dead cop, who unfortunately comes back to life, and he uh, didn't. They ended up not filming it. But like the first day, I was like, uh, I was like, a phot- I was like, I was photographing a cadaver on the beach as one does, and. Um, <laughs> And the second day they were filming in Oakland and it was just like the second day was just kind of rough and things didn't go so well. And as far as I know, they haven't made it. It was with Ryan Phillippe. So anyway, that was something where I was like, oh, I don't really want to be a part of a, another, you know, propaganda type program. Right. Um, and it is a popular genre. It is. It really is. It's like, oh, I have another friend who's on Law & Order SVU. That seems to be, especially for New York actors, a very popular... Yep. And I, I get it. Like, work is work. Yep, absolutely. 
Yeah, no shade. That's that's the gigs that are going. Yep. Yep. <sighs> Although I could actually see you getting a role as a cop. Have you seen um gosh, what's the name of that guy? Welsh actor um who plays Christian Bale? Nope. Um, my Welsh knowledge is uh, uh I didn't know Christian Bale was Welsh. There you go. Um so I'm pretty sure I hope I don't get any hate mail from like Christian Bale fans. Like <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he was at least born there though. <laughs> no, the guy I'm thinking don't get any was mail. he plays a cop in Bridesmaids. Oh, oh, that guy. I think he's Irish. Um Are you the guy sure? who was like, on the IT crowd, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, he was in the IT crowd. Oh, that name is pretty Irish. I was sure he was Welsh. I mean, he's in this maybe... brilliant Welsh show called Moon Boy. Uh, huh? I just always assumed he was Welsh. Anyhow, don't yeah. So maybe I'll get the hate mail. Um, so... oh, and I was wrong here. Christian Bale was uh, born in the well, it says the UK, English, not Welsh. So hey, I was mistake. born in England. That doesn't mean I was English. Yeah. Um, oh wait, he was born in Wales. There you go. You win. Wales, Christian Bale. Okay. Street <laughs> cred. You also have to worry about your uh, pop culture knowledge. Street street cred. Seriously, seriously. So, so for the record, I feel like if uh, Chris O'Dowd could pull off a cop, so could you. Yeah, I would. Um, okay, thank you. Accept the compliment. <laughs> yes. But wouldn't I'm it be great so, if like... you got to play a cop who was who became radicalized? And, yeah, like in a good like, way. Sorry, not the other kind of radicalized. There's a lot oh, of those. Sure, cops. Sure. I mean, they're already they already are. I feel for the most part radicalized. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's why I wanted yeah. to clarify. A cop who gets radicalized that's towards true. the good. <laughs> yeah, like a Serpico type of thing, like turning in the 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 other cops yes! who are causing harm. Yes. Well, taking down the system to happen, within. I would encourage all the cops who listen to this show to like go out and. <laughs> Speak out against your, yes. your brethren who are causing great harm. Amen. Because when, what, what's the saying now? Um, if there are 99 good cops and one bad apple, and the 99 yeah. cops keep their mouths quiet, then there's actually 100 bad cops. Yes, so we exactly. need you to be the good cops you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of, all of the police officers who are listening to the show right now should do that. <laughs> Huge amount of cops. <laughs> I hear I hear it's actually the most downloaded show in America. <laughs> they just love like all of the uh the rhetoric I share about them and the anti police songs that I play. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. <laughs> they all have our kinks, I guess. <laughs> that would hundred percent be a fascinating fetish. <laughs> I'm I mean to be like taken down a notch or two by some <laughs> podcaster with a few thousand followers uh, yes. <laughs> doesn't have any I sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <sighs> oh, it's really good to talk with you. Likewise, Roman. I'm so glad I'm, we got to connect. Yeah, I'm so glad you reached out. It's it's that thing I know a lot of folks in. I mean, I'm definitely more of an introvert in general, but then this past year, it's been yeah. particularly difficult, I think, just to sometimes to reach out to people and then I'm not on Facebook much. And that's where I think I was able to connect right. with folks. Right. So 
I do feel like I miss out on overall. It's been beneficial for my mental mm-hmm. health because yeah. Facebook has definitely I've had a lot of difficult times on there. But at the same time, I do miss out on seeing what people are up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really glad we connected. And it was surely because I was like, hey, I wonder if you'd like to come to my show. Uh, so, Definitely. <laughs> so it was super kind of you to create this space. I'm really yeah. grateful. Yeah, it's so good talking with you. And I remember you were a guest many years ago. Back when yeah. Was, uh, we were co-hosting the show together. That's right. And so it's really nice just to visit again with folks. That was super fun. It was super fun to get to do it lo- like in the studio. That was yes. really lovely. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, within a few months, once it feels safer to do so, I hope to have folks in again. Yay. Oh, that's great. I'm so grateful you do this, Roman. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for what you do. Thanks. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing these days, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you are, you're, I mean, you're sharing so much, like, really valuable information with folks and working with people on really at times can be like really difficult subjects and to have someone who is as knowledgeable and present about this is just so like it can be it's so healing and also with the books that you're writing uh will inspire i'm sure many many people i really appreciate that move forward with doing what's right in the world and it sometimes it feels like there's the world is against us and then mm-hmm. you know have a conversation like this and there's like oh there are so many people who are yeah. doing really incredible work and just are not even just the work itself but just who you are as a person um, making oh. the world a more equitable place thanks so much friend yeah ah well, well we'll post a link to the uh <laughs> the the upcoming show oh yay thank you yeah i'm super excited about it and i really do still hope that you can come yeah definitely i'm looking forward to it i remember i I think i went the last month it was at the hormel center yeah look forward to you watching this and then hopefully next year it'll be in person once again i hope so too yeah i'm ready i'm I'm ready to be fully vaccinated. I'm ready to be at full immunity. I've been dating someone for four months and we haven't gotten to hold hands yet. Oh. oh. So I'm ready. I'm ready for this all to be over. <laughs> Indeed. I hope you get vaccinated soon and can hold hands even sooner. Yes, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shonda. This has been really lovely. I've really had tons of fun, Roman. I really appreciate it. All right, I'm going to turn my camera on to see if, even if we get a little glitchy, at least I can say goodbye. Yeah, really good to see you. You too. Love Sending you, you across the bay. Yay! I can feel them. I wish you could send me digital burritos from your neighborhood. That's really what I'd like. <laughs> okay, let me work on that. Let me add that to the list. <laughs> oh, all right, friend. I'll talk right. to you soon. Okay, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Big thanks to Shonda Ja for that wonderful conversation. And on our website at weeklyrev.org, we have a post that will be going up very shortly that has links to Shonda's website as well as the many books that she has written and also a link to the invite for Show Us Your Spines, which is a queer and trans BIPOC artist residency presentation, which is happening April 22nd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time 
you can find that at twitch.tv forward slash stud sf and if you would uh please go to uh shonda's website it is s-a-n-d-h-a excuse me s-a-n-d-h-y-a-j-h-a.com and again that's s-a-n-d-h-y-a-j-h-a.com and we also have a link on will be up on our website weeklyrev.org so you can find much more information all right, we're going to take a bit of an extended music break here and then get back into a few new stories and action items that folks can take um, in regards to pushing back against some of the awful anti-trans bills that have been making their way around the country and also just sharing a bit of information about what's been happening at in Brooklyn Center. So, uh, yeah, extended music break, and then we'll be back in a bit. So please do stay tuned. This work is true. I call my baby and let's go watch her with you. I met some movies, but she don't seem to be that. And then she asked me, Why don't I come through a flat and have some supper and let the evening pass by? I'm making records besides a groovy high five. I say, Yeah, yeah. And that's what I say. I say, Yeah, yeah. My baby loves me. She gets me feeling so fine. She loves me. She makes me know that she's mine. And when she kisses, I feel the fire get hot. She never misses. She gives it all that she's got. And when she asks me if everything is okay, I got my answer. The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah. We'll play a melody and turn the lights down low so the night can see. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. Alive in all the world, except you and me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty baby, I never knew such a thrill. It's hard to tell you because I'm trembling still. But pretty baby, I want you off of my own. I'm ready to leave those others alone. No need to ask me if everything is okay. I got my answer. The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say.
murdered man Send lawyers, guns and money This shit has hit the fan
everybody. Thanks so much. We are back. Played a few songs here. We heard Yeah Yeah by Lizzie Thame and the Blue Flames. In Undertow by All Vase. Warriors, Guns, and Money by Michael Devon. And we heard Track X by Black And got a little bit more information here for you before we wrap up the show today. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Please go to weeklyrev.org. We've got archives of previous shows up there as well as links to articles that we've shared on the program and links to the playlist of the music because I've been playing music on the show every every week and it's uh, important to remember the beauty that's out there in the world still. I'm going to go over some information. There have been numerous protests against police uh, that have been happening constantly happening um, but in particular within the last week uh, last night there was a weekly Stonewall protest in New York City where people March for Dominique Justice and right, and they shut down the Holland Tunnel for over two hours. NYPD and Port Authority cops arrived in big numbers and considered multiple forms of repression, but eventually decided to just back down on their stance on social Twitter. And I share a lot of these uh, articles here on and pieces of information on Twitter, so you can follow me there at R O M A N R I M E R. And also in Brooklyn Center, folks have been protesting for nights and the police have become more and more militarized they've been shooting tear gas which has been banned but they do it anyway they've been arresting people who come out of their homes in their bathrobes being like what the fuck's going on here and rightfully so and all of this just because uh the police need to uh they refuse to acknowledge that they are killing people and are wrong in chicago a 13 year old adam toledo was killed recently Part of that was covered up, and it's just, it's, there's no, it's just fucking disgusting. I can't say anything about this that hasn't already been said other than that the police should be abolished. And, yeah, gonna put that right there. As far as, um, I see, I'm reading an infographic here, and, uh, says uh, U.S. state and local governments collectively spend more on policing than most countries do on their militaries. So here, uh, is that fucking trillion? Is that really? Oh, it's billion. U.S. is at $731 billion over that, $751,400,000. And then the U.S. police is... Uh, $118 billion that the U.S. spends on police per year. Now think about how much those funds could be to, as things that we've mentioned here before on the show, provide people housing, health care, food, clean drinking water, education, art. How about funding the fucking arts? How about that? That would be pretty nice. So, uh, again, it feels like things are pretty fucking backwards that the, all the funds... So many of the funds are going to militarization, which causes great harm and suffering. So, Ooh. take a deep breath. And we've got another twelve-ish minutes here before we sign off. So I did want to get to, and again, it's similar to what we were talking about in the conversation. There's so much to get to, and also everything is connected. Uh, especially with uh, state violence. So I did want to get to thinking about ways that folks can push back against the anti-trans legislation that's been 
uh, occurring very rapidly in over 30 states in the country. And this is a discussion thread on Reddit, and I will post a link on our website, weeklyrev.org. Also, if you appreciate the show and want to um, help support us, we have a Patreon that's up. Uh, if you go to weeklyrev.org, there's a link to the Patreon, or you go to patreon.com forward slash weeklyrev. A dollar a month or more be greatly appreciated. So this is a thread, what you can do to help stop the anti-LGBTQ backlash. Many of you, especially the trans people, are asking, what can I do? The answer is plenty. Wherever you are, you can help. Here is a plan. Step one, awareness. Most people think this is about sports or saving children from irreversible surgery. But what these laws really do is far worse than what most people fear. The trans sports bans and bathroom bills open up all women, cis and trans, to invasive on-demand checks of their genitals, blood, or birth certificate. How else can you prove that uh, the woman is trying to get on the team or into the quote-unquote wrong bathroom isn't trans? Oh, how else can you prove? Okay. The religious bills open up all LGBTQ to having their health care denied at every step of delivery. Sorry, my pastor says gay marriage is a sin, so I won't fill your prescriptions. This church-supported hospital system does not perform surgeries for lesbians. There are huge swaths of this country only served by religious hospitals, and these bills threaten to force LGBTQ to either move to another area or just accept that they might not have access to medicine, even if they can pay for it themselves. Also, most of these trans, most of the trans healthcare bans criminalize support for trans children as felony child abuse. Doctors who followed their Hippocratic oath would lose their license. Parents who supported their children would have them taken away from them and thrown into foster care. These bills threaten to break up loving families. In any other circumstances, we would call this a war crime. So tell people what these laws really mean. Send them this letter, and they have a link, uh, from 1,500 parents describing the ordeal their families are going through. Forward it to every parent of a trans, non-binary, or gender-expansive child you know to sign also. Show them this map, and they have a link, so they can see how widespread this attack is, or the simplified version for just the healthcare bans. What if they really, what if they want to discuss the science? Well, if they really want to get into the details, here are some references. If they want to dig into the medical side, here is an interesting video from Dr. Powers. If they want a broader audience, this short documentary from Real Stories is fantastic, and they have links to all of these things that I'm mentioning that will be available on our website. Okay, so the laws are awful and widespread and completely against the real science for trans people. What's next? Step two, show your support. Join the Count Me In campaign from the Human Rights Campaign. Get banners for your social media. Get your free sticker. Sign the pledge. Add your name to the list going to your, going to your own state legislators. This stuff is free and quick. If you have a little money, then buy a shirt or mask and pay for books for a library. If you have more um, money, they... So you can donate to the NCTE, Legal Lambda, uh, Lambda Legal, ACLU, the HRC. Um, I'm also just going to put in uh, Trans Lifeline because that is a really important organization that is run by trans folks for trans folks. That's a number, a hotline number that folks can call, and they also offer microgrants. So Trans Lifeline as well. Step three: Employees. The workplace is where many of us spend most of our our time, even if that work for now is from home due to COVID, and employers are required by law to provide safe workplaces for everyone, regardless of sex, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, and many other factors. Most employers find this not only morally right, but good business. 
Turns out that employees who feel comfortable being themselves are also more productive and creative and improve the bottom line. But as employees, we are generally very limited in discussing politics or charity at work by our codes of conduct, which say that politics can only be handled by the corporate office and soliciting for charity doesn't happen on work time or equipment. So what can you do? Plenty. Before you start down this list, see if your company has a Pride or LGBTQ employee network. Give this list to them as they are the appropriate means of getting LGBTQ issues in front of the company's leadership. If you don't have a group, try at the HR department or legal. Hell, try both. One, establish that this is not about politics or charity. This is truly a national scale human rights crisis. They are talking about breaking up families and examining women's genitals for Christ's sakes. People are seriously leaving their home states in search of safety for their families. The effects of these laws will touch every family with LGBTQ in the country. Two, this is widespread and urgent. You have a duty to your employer to notify them of this issue since it will impact their customers, their suppliers, and them. Send them this letter currently signed by 70 major companies that clearly spells out how these laws will harm their employees, their competitiveness, and the economy. Hurting LGBTQ is bad for business. Three, if your employer can sign the letter, point out some of the names on it. Oh, wow, there's a lot of big companies that I, wow. IBM, Intel, Microsoft, AT&T, Verizon, Wells Fargo, Dow, Bayer, uh, Union Pacific, American Airlines, Pfizer. These aren't socially activist companies, and I would say, as a matter of fact, they're almost anti-socially activist. But anyway, I'm glad they've signed it at least. Uh, most of these are presented as the villain when they come up. Oh, here we go. This is just sharing what I know. Okay. Uh, most of these are presented as the villain when they come up in the quote-unquote liberal news. Eight of these, eight of the 30 Dow Jones Industrial Average companies are here. This is about business. It turns out that disrupting the lives of up to 5% of a state's workforce might not be the best environment for making money. Four, if your employer is really nervous, point out that the letter does not call for action against any specific person, government, or political party, nor is it a fundraiser nor is it asking for social change. It's actually conservatively asking for no change. Under most corporate codes of conduct, this specific letter fits within the bounds and can be talked about internally. So let's say you've done all this and your employer said no. They won't sign the letter. Even without the letter, there is a lot they can do to help. Send them this list below. Step four, employers. Hello, business owner. You're in a hard place. You have employees and or dependents who are being targeted and can't work for you at the productivity level you need them to, but you also aren't in a position to stick your neck out. Here are some things you can do without broadcasting to the world that will make a real difference for your people. If you have an employee assistance program, the one with the professional counselors and therapists, make sure it will support anyone who calls into it even after COVID is finished. Tell your health insurance providers that they will lose you as a customer if they deny service to your employees based on religious objection. Your people will need lawyers to defend themselves if they are targeted. If you aren't on it already, get on the MetLife, formerly known as Hyatt, legal plan. Cover the premium for your employees. If a vulnerable employee can telecommute for you, let them do that. You've probably already been doing that because of COVID, right? Give them the freedom to move to safety so that they don't have to resign in order to protect their family. If you have sites in the states that offer comprehensive legal protection for LGBTQ, namely California, Connecticut, D.C., Delaware, Iowa, Illinois, Massachusetts, uh, Maryland, Maine, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, New York, 
OC. What's that? Um, maybe they mean they mean Oklahoma. I'm gonna skip that one. Oregon, Rhode Island, Virginia, v uh, Vermont, Washington. Then preferably invest in those states and offer transfers to vulnerable employers employees in in those states. I gotta find out what OC is. Excuse me. I know they don't mean Orange County because that's not a state and also pretty conservative. And I'd be shocked if they meant like it was like okay for Oklahoma, but I'm not sure what state OC is supposed to be. Hmm. This is in alphabetical order. This is a mystery. Um, well, we will find out. And this is what my wandering mind has done, is that now I've lost the, uh, the page. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to this. Um, if you don't have it already, maybe they mean Ohio? Maybe? Okay, if you don't have it already, get some LGBTQ training videos into your system. Here's a great list of ready-made videos available off Open Sesame if you need something a bit more polished looking than YouTube. Make this training mandatory. Fully commit to being an inclusive workplace, even in areas that are not accepting. If you can't put a pride flag outside in June, then have a banner in the cafeteria and hallways. Tell employees they can wear their Converse pride sneakers anytime. Pay for a van and lunch and take some people to the next pride parade. Show your people that even if you cannot publicly be branded a LGBTQ-friendly workspace, that you do care for them and will support them in this time of need. If you've got a right-wing AM radio or Fox News running in your break rooms, for God's sake, turn off that shit. Don't give the people who hate your employees a foothold in your workplace. If you don't have a pride LGBTQ group, start one. You have tremendous power to help your people. If you help them now, they will remember and fight for you too. And this author's message to the haters. If you have, you have the state houses, you have unlimited money, and you have unlimited hate fueling your rage. But guess what? You are going to lose. We are here and not backing down. Those of us in safe places will make room to shelter those who must, for now, flee from you. Some of us will, f will fall and you will rejoice. But your victories, as daunting as they are right now, will not last. We are a family, a cantankerous, uh, raucous rabble of every color and every culture and every career. We argue, we fight, and we are very hard to herd in a common direction. But in the end, we have each other. More than that, we have ourselves. Our lives, our histories, figuring out who we really are, and the absolute certainty that nothing less than our true selves will do. Our true selves. That will be enough to beat you. We survived the police crackdowns. We survived AIDS. We defeated Don't Ask, Don't Tell. We got marriage equality. However long it takes, we will win this one too. The day will come when you will look around and everyone you know has a trans friend, knows a gay friend, has a non-binary child. And your friends will tell you that LGBTQ are just normal, regular people. And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? Live and let live. That's what your friends will say. And one day, you will agree with them. And all of us, even you, will win. That's optimistic. And I appreciate this list. Um, so, yeah, um, I've shared this on Twitter. And it's easy. I'm just speaking for my own self. It's so easy when I'm reading these bills, especially in Florida. They're just, I mean, just fucking heinous, heinous bills that are really just like they're condoning child abuse and all under the guise of protecting people, which is just so absurd and bizarre and disgusting. And so it's easy for me when I read these, um, some of the bills that are coming out and people actually voting for them to feel frightened and scared and uh, just 
worried um, for trans youth. I mean, I already was feeling uh, worried for folks and also trans adults. And it doesn't matter where you live. People shouldn't have to move where they're at in order to feel safe. It doesn't, it's not like, oh, well, come to this place and therefore you'll be safe. No. And even in these blue cities and blue states, there is homophobia and transphobia and racism and classism. And that doesn't necessarily go away because you're in a place that's maybe less harmful. So I do appreciate the reminder that, yes, we will win. And also, not everyone has survived these uh, previous pandemics um, in terms of like the HIV AIDS virus. So, um, yes, um, just trying to... It's, it's difficult to talk about. It's fucking terrifying, to be honest. And how many people are targeted based on their bodies in this country. And not to, not to diminish, it's, just, it's more maybe how people are attacked based on what other people think of them without even getting to know them. It's so disturbing. And I feel like the misinformation is even Okay, well, now it's time to wrap up the show, and uh, I was hoping to end on a more positive note, but again, we're talking about really serious things that are, uh, it's a lot, so I don't want to like force a, a joke in where it's not present. So I'm going to play some more music uh, till the end of the program, and music can certainly say a lot more than I can. So here we go. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Change the world as we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do will say today that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child, I begin my first now. Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words. Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe. I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me. It's like they want me to shoot my chance and change this society. But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start. My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart. You chose to follow suit, but tell me what to do for you. Except where you down. Now you trapped inside the cubicle, they built walls. The first step in the change is to take notice. Realize the real games that they try to show us. 300 plus years of them cold shoulders. Your 300 million of it still got no focus. Sorry, America, but I would not be your soldier. Obama just wasn't enough. I need some more closure. And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over. Let's face facts, cause we know what's the real motives. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. Yeah. Can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say today that's worthwhile with assurance by your action. Hold up, yeah. Uh.
Triggering the system, put my niggas in prison. All our history hidden, ain't no liberty given. We all fit the description of what the documents written. We've been lacking the vision and barely making a living. We too worried to fit in while they've been benefiting. Every time you submit it, we all guilty admitted. The law won't get you acquitted, but you still ever forgiveness. But opiates and syringes, then inject his religion. Now, many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission. Many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission. A human with supervision ain't no living condition. I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen. Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians It's not enough about the prison Too many murder convictions Nothing family convicted Nothing black man the victim That's as real as it's getting You should take recognition And the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners And the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Yeah we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say the day that's worthwhile. With insurance by your action of your first child.
5,000 watts in a big acoustic tower. Security's so tight tonight. Oh, they're ready for a tussle. Gotta keep your backstage passes. To promote, I had the muscle, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes. But where it's going, no one knows. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes. But where it's going, no one knows. In the tall buildings at the head of our nations. Worthy men from Spain and Siam All their discussions with the Russians But they still went ahead And beat all the plan Now up jumped the U.S. representative He's the one with the tight eyes 747 for him in that condition Flying back on a peacekeeper mission And so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes But where it's going, no one knows. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes. But where it's going, no one knows.
Well, I'm trying to 